Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with your hosts, Emma Doyle and Simon Blair, coach for success in sport and business. G'day, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle. I'm here with Curry Buck. Now, did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. Oh, look at that with my Australian little lingo in there. Uh, I like the Australian accent. It sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. I like your accent too. Uh, So we're going to get straight into it. The first question is the Vegemite question, the Australian spread that you put on your toast. Mm -hmm. You love it, you strongly dislike it, or you've never tried it. What's your take? Well, I have tried it. And I'm just going to have to say I'm in the strongly dislike category. <laughs> Definitely right. the strongly dislike, but I tried it. Fair enough. I love that you gave it a go. I <laughs> that Could you share a coaching moment that didn't go well and what might be some of the lessons? Um, yeah, I actually, one of the, the, working with the kids and, you know, you never know what you're going to get with the kids and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're not. And literally spending an entire session um, with one little girl that if I said, sit down, she stood up. If I said, put the ball in the basket, she went and took one out. If I said, hit a forehand, she'd swing on her backhand. I mean, literally, and it's like, what, what can you do? Like these kids are, they can be so frustrating, but they're so cute at the same time. And you just kind of have to go with it. And I literally started saying, okay, you know, don't pick the balls up. And she would pick them up. So I literally ended up having to use like a reverse psychology on this little one to get her to do what I wanted to do because she didn't she didn't get what I was doing. So she I just told her to do the opposite and she did it. But, um, you know, the kids are great. It's so much fun. But sometimes they just they kind of throw you for a loop a little bit. Yeah, they do. I love that story. I'm sure many coaches out there listening could relate to that one. And what about on the flip side? What about a, a really great coaching moment? Probably one of the greatest coaching moments I've had is, is a combination of, you know, sort of over a timeline. And it was working with some of our military here um, in Southern California as they prepared for the Invictus Games and working on wheelchair tennis with them. And the uh, U.S. tennis teams in the Invictus Games had never even won a set, let alone a match. Coaching them through for the, the training camp and then actually having them get a bronze medal was I think probably one of the coolest coaching moments I've ever had was to see that progression from these guys. And one of them wasn't really a tennis player. One of them was very good, but um, just watching that progression of how they progressed through the game and then bringing home a medal and the U S had never even won a set before. So I think that's um, kind of one of my cool coaching moments. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And the lesson in there around progression, isn't it around? Yeah. It's around progression and, and around, seeing people move from whether it's a junior that's moving from a sectional ranking to a national ranking or a a little one that's moving from red to orange, or maybe it's one of your league ladies that all of a sudden has been in the three O's forever. And she's made the three, five team. It's all about that progression and the, the players learning to love the game. Mm. And you never know when aha moments are going to happen for your players as well. It's like, I love when that happens, you know, you lead the, lead the player to water, but you can't force them to drink. And when they they decide to, to drink on their own and take that next step, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. The next question is the sliding doors question. It's funny you bring up sliding doors. It's actually one of my favorite movies. Oh, Just for um, that reason, like how different um, it could be if you, you know, turned a corner a different way or drove to work a different way or whatever. Gosh, I don't know. I was working in the fitness industry and I took a job at something else and I just wasn't happy. And I just kind of knew that I wanted to get back to tennis. And so maybe that was it like that, that 
short stint I had in another industry that just really made me realize I needed to get back in back into the tennis industry because that's where I grew up and that's what I knew and that's what I loved. And I look back now and go, why did I leave? Maybe I I needed to realize how much I appreciated it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say something, probably something like that. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Our next question is our gold dust question. We ask everybody this cool. We've got <laughs> 500 coaches now. Uh, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Passion. I think it's passion. And we talked a little bit about this in Vegas. It's, it's definitely passion. And you can be a fantastic coach, but not, I don't know, not have as much passion as someone that, you know, why, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you love to coach? Or are you doing it because you love to give back? What's, you know, what's the, what's the reason behind your coaching? And to me, the really great coaches really have a passion for it. Success, they love to see their students work. They love to try challenging things with their students and learn more from them. And that's, that's the difference, I think, between some really great coaches and some, some great coaches that have a great passion. Makes yeah, I, lo I love how, that, how much kids can teach us and, and our clients, mm -hmm. you know. Yes, for sure. Yeah, when I was in uh, coaching, coaches had a coach for, for sort of 10 years. I'd love it when the, the kids would say, oh, but that kind's in the wrong place or they... <laughs> You know, it's so it's the little things, isn't it? Uh, our final question officially on the coaching podcast is where we ask you to ask us a question. What sparks your curiosity? I ask this of a lot of people. In fact, going through job, even through job interviews, you know, when the interviewer asks you, do you have any questions for me? And I always say like, what, what makes you want to go to work every day? Why do you love where you are? Why do you love what you do? And what makes you want to go back every day? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all have our ups and downs. We all have tough days where we think, oh, I don't ever want to go back. But it's the good days that, that outnumber the bad. But what is it like, you know, what is it that makes them passionate about their job or makes them want to, you know, what makes it so great for them? Great question. Turn the tables on a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. And then you really get to hear the culture and the values. Yes. Values yes. of the organization as well. Clever yeah. way of asking it. That's that's a great question. Thank you. So let's uh, let's now go wherever we want to go <laughs> with our <laughs> topics. Uh, we met uh, in at the USPTA World Conference in Las Vegas through our mm -hmm. mutual friend Bill Riddle. Yep. By chance, Thanks, <laughs> yes. Shout out to Bill. We love you, Bill. And uh, you joined our our table, and I was uh, really fascinated. Quite instantly around your journey I mean you mentioned the fitness industry but also within tennis mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about the different uh you know there's so many things within tennis there's coaching there's management mm -hmm. there's director there's equipment I know that you've had a little bit of experience I want to hear more about that um can you take me back to when you first started coaching even and yeah sure and some of sure. the transitions yeah um I just kind of I don't know, got tennis DNA. Both my parents were involved in tennis, so it made sense that I would. Um, I first got my my first taste of coaching was at um, a small club that my family ran in Cape Cod every summer. We did it for 22 summers. So literally grew up on the clay courts of Cape Cod during the summertime. Um, as soon as I have an older brother, and as soon as we were old enough to move from doing court maintenance um, and selling sodas at the snack bar, dad had us out working with the little kids. And that was at the time where the Wilson was, you know, Wilson, Mr. Peewee um, was real big with the kids. And, and that's, that's what I started with. And then, um, 
you know, I continued to, to coach every summer and moved into privates and moved into higher level players and adults and, you know, sort of ran the gamut with that at the club. And then after college decided, you know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I could teach tennis. I knew that tennis was an avenue to, to follow for me. And it was something that I enjoyed. So I went and I worked for about three years with Peter Burwash. Um, I was in Florida for a little while. And then I got, I got transferred to, of all places, Maui. It was so hard, so tough to go to, hard, to, go to Maui. But um, I went there, I was there for a few years. And then um, I stayed on after I left Peter Burwash and stayed in Hawaii. And um, I was there for five years total. I came back to LA. Uh, worked for the Southern Cal Tennis Association, the USGA offices there, actually working on the ATP event that they owned at the time. So got a little taste of, of working ATP events. Um, from there, I did, you know, I kind of did a lot of different tennis stuff. I did um, work for a manufacturer of uh, golf and tennis apparel for women, doing that inside sales, things like that. I took a little little jaunt into um, the surf and the and the fitness industries and then got a chance to get my foot in the door at Tennis Channel and just ran with it. And I was there for, for nine years. Um, and then back to USTA again as their director of marketing, uh, a season with World Team Tennis, and now, you know, back at clubs. So kind of doing full circle, starting in clubs, and now I'm back there. But I feel like, you know, all the experience I've had, especially some of the, the more corporate experience, has made me much better at what I do now. Instead in of way? being on the court you know, learning marketing, learning just budgeting and, and all those types of things that you might not learn on the court. So I really feel like just all those things together have really made me much more complete as a, as a tennis director, mm. um, which is what I'm doing now and which is what I really love. Peter Burwash. Now, I've heard a lot about this, this guy and uh -huh. I'd love to know what, what was that like and what was he like as a leader and why do you think he was so successful? He was, he was an amazing leader. I mean, I just, I still, when I get a chance to see him, we still have a, a nice relationship. I know he's not doing as well now, but I would get little note cards from him and he didn't do email at the time and all that. So you would get little notes from him, you know, he would mail you things like that. Um, and I was pretty young when I started. I mean, I was right out of college when I started with him. So, and you'll hear all these crazy things about the company and everything, but I, I learned so much and I have, friendships still from when I started that um, and people that I can still call on and, and ask advice for and, and things like that. So the thing that really stuck the most with me about working with Peter with, and his organization was just the teamwork, the teamwork and the camaraderie. You could be a million miles away from somebody, but you were just, well, at the time when I first started, you were either a phone call or a, maybe a fax even, um, but there was always someone there to help you out and support you and, and give you an idea or guide you a little bit. And uh, that was something that I, that really has stuck with me. Mm -hmm. I love that. So what do you think he would, uh, what do you think he would answer to what makes a great coach in three words or less? Oh, he would definitely say service. It's all about service to him. And that's where, you know, I like to ask people like, you know, if I'm interviewing, like what industry are you in? And I'm like, it's don't say tennis. Cause that's not it. And it's service and hospitality and all, a little entertainment even, you know, because you've got to, especially if you're at a resort where you're working with, with hotel guests that come and go, you've got to make sure that one or two hours you have with them, you're giving them the best, like high quality instruction, but that they're having fun, they're learning something and you're just treating them great, you know? Um, and I mean, not that you wouldn't do that at another club too. I mean, that's what we should all be doing all the time, but 
Um, I was at resorts with him most of the, with Peter when I was uh, in Florida and and in Maui. So really had to to stress that. But yeah, it would definitely be service. Oh yeah, that's awesome. One of my mentors is always saying that we have to be in service to the sport. Yeah, and be always grateful and continually think about what is the essence of the sport so that mm-hmm. we can really bring that to people's lives. I, I love and, that. And, yeah, um, and you think about too, like, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. Tennis has given me so much. I've traveled all over the world. I've met amazing people. And the idea of being able to share that love that I have for the game and get someone else to have that same passion for it and be able to share the experience that I've had and, and make their experience even better really go, you know, it's really important, I think. Let's move to events. Yes. What do you think makes a great event? What What are some of the keys to, to running a great event? So on a, with all your event background experience, especially a lot of our listeners, you know, are, are running events at their club. Mm-hmm. And how can you give one or two little gold nugget sort of pieces of advice for people out there that really want to run a great event and engage their members? I would say number one is start early. Start planning early. Don't wait till the last minute to, to get things done. I mean, sometimes you have to wait till, you know, if it's a tournament entries close at a certain time, you've got to wait for those. But really start having a plan. I'm a big list maker. So I will list everything that I need to get done for this event, whether it's, you know, make sure the courts are washed or make sure I get the email out for the entries or order, you know, talk to the F&B director about getting food or whatever it might be. Get those things done early so that you're not racing at the last moment um, and that you're really prepared. Now, being that being said about being prepared, there's always something that's going to be a bit of a snafu. So you got to ha- you also have to learn to be adaptable and flexible and kind of pivot sometimes. Um, things can go, I always say things can go crazy behind the scenes. But if your members and your guests don't see that, they can still have that great experience. You might be like to pull your hair out over something, but they don't see that, they don't know it, and they're going to have a great experience. Um, the other thing is just is just making sure that they are having that great experience. Not being so, you know, not sitting at your desk with your head down, but being out and being able to mingle and mix with them and make sure everybody's having a good time. And, and that comes down to having a good team to work with, someone that can help you do it. It's, you know, it's, it's okay on these big events. In fact, it'd be crazy not to have more people on your team helping you out. Mm. Be somebody that's in the pro shop that can help, or maybe it's one of the pros that can come in and help. It can be a variety of people, but just having that team so that you can get away from the desk and take care of your guests. Yeah. Um, but I would say number one's got to be planning yeah. and thinking outside the box a little bit and, and asking other people things, you know, I'm at a new club now. So how did they used to do it? What did you really like? What was, what, what made these events good for you? So maybe it's something I haven't done before, but it's something that they love. So learning from learning, you know, it's all about learning, learning from everyone you possibly can, mm. you know? So mm. what's, what's your favorite format, right? You know, for round Robin, the, we've got, fir- we got, you know, first to 30, we've got fast. Oh yeah. What, what's, what, what do you think? What do you love? Um, I actually really love doing compass draws because you start out, you know, a lot of the, sometimes the, the weaker players don't want to play against the better players in a tournament because they get blown out in the first round and they're done, but they'd like the opportunity to play with the better players because it's good for them. So with a compass draw, um, you know, you start with everybody in the same draw and you win your match, you go to one side, you lose your match, you go to another. And then you, you slowly by the end of the weekend or the week or however long you're doing this for, you're in a small draw with all people at your same level. And now you're going to win that part of the tournament, you know? So 
that's one of the things that I really like is because it does get to mix people up that you might not normally get to play with. But at the end, you're still playing like eight or nine matches, possibly, depending on how big your draws are. So I really like that one because it gives everybody an opportunity to, to play. Mm -hmm. I like kinds of things where it evens out at the end, even if it's just these round robins where if you win your match, you move up a court and you split, you split with your partner. And if you don't win, you move down a court and split with your partner. So you're getting to mix and mingle with people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The one that we love is cardio triples because it's just so active and so fun and, and just a nice twist. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with kind of games. Games triples. I love playing triples. Yeah, uh, it's it, that's that's awesome. And I a couple of things just to pick up on there uh, in what you said. You know, control the controllables. Once you make that list, ticking off things early mm -hmm. on the list is is uh, really important. And I had a fantastic boss. Only once. I've only ever worked for uh, somebody once, but my entrepreneurial spirit um, needed a break for, for a couple of years. But he was fantastic. And one thing he helped me with, and maybe our listeners might benefit from something you just said there, reminded me, he said to always cre create procedure manuals. So once yeah. you potentially make that list for that event, that list mm -hmm. is there. It's not like you have to re- create the list right uh, each each year if you want to run something similar so that just reminded me of, of what he said uh, a great a great mentor speaking of mentors what who have been some of your mentors and what have they taught you well I mentioned Peter already and in his and a lot of a lot of the other pros yeah. in the organization as well not just Peter um one that I worked with in Hawaii his name was Bernard Guzman and he was fantastic he taught me so much about just working with people you know, and, and on court and off court, things like that. He also introduced me to um, wheelchair tennis, which is, you know, as you know, one of the things that I, I love and it's so passionate about. But um, my father, I would say, was a huge mentor. Um, a lot of people that don't know that would think of their parents as a mentor, but my father was a huge mentor because of the industry we're in and because he was a coach. And he was my coach and he coached me how to be a coach and, and everything like that. And, and he probably wouldn't think of himself like that, but he had like such an, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing if it wasn't for him, you know, um, Henry Talbert, who a lot of the USTA and SoCal people will recognize that name. He was the executive director for Southern Cal for years, but had worked in the White Plains office before. He was really the, the founder, whatever you want to call it, of, of the USTA league system. I mean, that was his baby for a long time. Um, and I learned, I just learned a lot having him as a friend. We never actually worked together but just this friendship that we had and this, this relationship that we had as I was coming back from Hawaii and learning so much. Um, and I, when I, you know, it's, it's uh, you have these people that you look up to so much. And then when they tell you that you're, they're proud of you, you're like, wow, like that's, he told me that when I landed my job at tennis challenge, like, I'm so proud of you. And it was just like, that's crazy because like, I'm always so like in awe of him. And now he's, turn the tables on me, you know? So he was a big mentor as well. Yeah. Nice. Nice. My lots dad. of people that have just had a huge impact on me mm -hmm. on a, on a, just a smaller level. Yeah. yeah. There's so uh, many, hasn't there? But like, yes. Yeah. And I, I agree. My dad is one of my mentors too. He's an yeah. amazing speaker and he was a scientist. So he was always thinking outside the square when we would, we mm -hmm. would practice, practice together for, for all those years. Um, what, what do you think makes a great, uh, parent coach like you know i i personally just think that 
the more time I invest now in parents and educating parents, the, the easier my job. I, I used oh, to be the other sure. way. But the, it used to be the other way around. But I think you know these days, and and of course Richard Williams and you know, King King Richard the movies mm-hmm. just just come out, and I think there's it's more and more now that parents are on court with their with mm-hmm. their child and, and playing that role. So what was that like for you? with your dad coaching you and what do you think is important for anyone out there considering coaching their kids? You know, I think that there's got to be boundaries. There's got to be really good communication. Um, What's interesting about my dad being my coach is that once I hit a certain age, he wasn't really my coach anymore. He had guys that he was coaching, coach me. Now, indirectly, he was coaching me, but he wasn't on the court. I was a kid that wanted to be pushed and needed to be like, I, I loved being out there, but I wanted somebody pushing me and maybe being a little harsh on me. Then my dad wasn't going to do that because he didn't want to be that tennis parent, you know? So he, I think probably when I was in, you know, teenager or whatever, I started working with other coaches, but I think it's so important for parents to, to understand that you're a parent first. And I remember hearing a, a story um, with Vic Braden and a, a parent came up to him and said, you know, I, my daughter's not doing this. And, you know, how can I get her to change this? And, and Vic said to him, he's like, oh, so you're a coach? And he's like, well, no, I'm her dad. And he goes, oh, but you're a top level tennis player. And he goes, well, I'm like a 4-0. He goes, but, you know, I really want to help her. He goes, well, then just be your dad. You know, just be her dad. Um, you know, you hear these horror stories of like you losing the match and you're afraid to get in the car to drive home with your parents because you're going to get yelled at, you know, and, and my routine at the end of a tournament was, you know, the same thing, win or lose. We talked about some constructive things and then we'd grab an ice cream or whatever, you know, so it didn't, it wasn't that horrible win or lose thing. And, and kids have so much pressure on them now. I mean, we play, I played so many different sports and now it's like the kids are like 12 and they've got to pick one sport only and focus on that. And I think that that's really tough. And I think that, you know, they talk about things to say to your kids, like, I love watching you play. You know, I'm so proud of how you, how you performed today and that you worked so hard instead of always the winning and the losing, you know, and I think that that's hard. And I think it's tough for, for parents that are good coaches that are involved in tennis to really just let the kids be kids sometimes, you know? Um, So that's kind of, and that's kind of part of it is you've got to know what your role is. Yeah active role but you've got to be educated on it yeah you've got to understand the game before you can start you know mm-hmm. i donald's match one time um coaching up in salt lake city and this poor kid he was in his third set tiebreaker you know and and um it was a make it or break it if we won that match we won the whole thing if we lost it we didn't lose it yet but it was still pretty serious and i remember his dad coming out to me he goes well what are you telling him on the changeovers because at zonals you can talk to the kids and he's like, you should tell him not to double fault. And I'm like, I, I kind of think he knows that already. I think that's just a lot of nerves out there, you know, but it's, it's that idea. Like you gotta, you gotta understand what the kids are going through. You've got to understand the game before you can start picking the game apart, you know? So we yeah. <laughs> another one of my favorites that you reminded me is uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing your best effort today. Yeah. You know, like it's all nice. this. I love to see better things to say than, than good mm-hmm. luck or don't double fault as they're exactly. <laughs> walking, walking out on the court. Uh, yeah. Back to a passion for a minute. Uh, you know, I can mm-hmm. hear the passion in your voice. You're passionate about the industry and, and all the impact you've had. 
it's one of those things that sometimes I feel like it's hard to describe what passion is as well. It's hard to put your finger on exactly. Like you yeah. know, I, I often say, well, that person's really passionate. But really, what, is, what does that mean to you? When you see a passionate coach, how is that coach displaying passion? To me, it, it goes back to a little bit of what I touched on before. To me, a passionate coach is a coach that is giving back because they've had such an amazing experience and they're giving back and they want to see those students and their clients have that same love of the game. I've seen some fantastic coaches. They are amazing coaches. They know way more about some, you know, high performance coaching than half the coaches on the planet, but they don't have that passion. They're just very technical about it. They don't give themselves and a passionate coach builds relationships on a different level than, than someone that's all into the technique only, you know what I mean? And, and you really, you it's, it is, it's the building of the relationships and the trust. It's just, it's just a different level. Maybe it's just a, I don't know, warm. It's like that warm fuzzy level that you get to um, where you really have that great relationship with your students and, and they, they feel it from you. They feel how much you care mm-hmm. and it's just caring about them on the court, but it's caring about them as a person. Mm-hmm. So, and the tennis channel. Tell me, I really don't know, being from Australia, of course, I don't really know that much about the Tennis Channel, to be uh-huh. 100% honest. Yeah. Uh, what, nine years, um, what what did you do? And and what do you, tell us about the Tennis Channel. Nine years, I actually um, took a step backwards. You know, people make lateral moves in their career, they make upward moves. I actually took a backwards step to take that job. Um, and I went from being a national sales manager in the fitness industry to um, being an executive assistant for one of their executives. And, you know, the first few weeks, it was like the toughest thing was like, where did I park my car today? But I knew I wanted to be back in tennis. And I just, everybody I had met that worked there was great. I really, you know, I just, it just had a good vibe for me. And I just knew that I could build it a little bit. I could, I could start here, but I knew that's not where I was going to stay. I knew I would be able to build that, that position. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. Um, it was great. I had, that was where I got to do a lot of traveling. Um, I worked mostly in ad sales and marketing, but there's also the department called tennis industry relations, which is kind of that go between with USTA and ITF and ATP and, you know, all the different organizations within the tennis industry. So I did a lot of work with that department as well. Um, which is where I got to get really fun traveling in, um, to, you know, to, Paris and to Madrid and to all over the U.S. doing um, working in production and working with the sponsors, with our with our advertisers, working on their um, their projects and their short form pieces that they were doing. So working with their players as well as doing things like green screen interviews and bag checks and all those kinds of things, um, which was really great for me because I just again because I just love tennis so much. It was awesome. Um, then got a little bit more into working directly with the clients. For example, taking somebody like a Wilson, who's got a new racket out and they are going to do some short form pieces on them. And, you know, we think the racket, we think this is what they want to talk about. And they're like, no, we want to talk about this. So making sure that you understood what Wilson's point of view was on this new racket. Like, what did they want to push? Did they want to push the technology? Did they want to push this cool design and color scheme? Or did they want to push who was going to be using it? and build the whole project, their whole programming around that. So that was, you know, and again, got to meet a ton of people and, and just uh, really enjoyed the, my whole time there. Mm. And I'm sure you'd learned a lot yeah. about technology and 
racket yes. technology and, and the different. Yep, I did. I did. Yeah. And um, one of the things that was really fun that I used to do is um, I ran the, the VIP suite at the U.S. Open. So this year, right before I saw you in Vegas, um, they actually called me because I wasn't working at the time and said, can you come run our suite? And I haven't worked there for five or six years. Um, so that was really great to be able to get sort of back into that and to be at the open again with full fans and, you know, see everybody because we hadn't seen people for so long. Yeah. How long has the Tennis Channel been going and, and what's its purpose? Let's see, how long has it been going? I want to say it had been going about three years when I got there. So that puts it about 13. I'm, it's over 15. I'm guessing a little bit more than that now. Mm. Um, you know, it was it was kind of the vision of one person that thought there should be, you know, we've got a, a vast, you know, NFL network and we've got MLB network and why don't we have tennis? And I think in the beginning, a lot of people thought he was nuts and he didn't care. And he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing made it happen. And then it got to a point where it was big enough that someone else had to come in and get it to the next level. You know, it's like working with the little kids. It's like some people are great working with little kids, but they can't get them to that. They can't get them from orange ball to green ball. They're just not, or from green ball to, you know, a ranked junior. They're just not, they don't have that, that talent, that uh, level of ability or whatever. It's not their forte. So it was kind of the same thing. Like we got it started and then, okay, now we need to get it to the next level. So it's, you know, when I was there, there was a lot more um, programming on uh, tennis related travel and instructionals and things like that, uh, those kind of content. And now it's, it's kind of, kind of doing a little bit more of that, but uh, it's been really just about the, the, the live tennis, you know, the app that they have now, that's the, uh, what do they call it? I can't remember what tennis channel everywhere, I think is what it is. Um, you know, that you can see things that you wouldn't see on tennis channel, but you can see them on that the streaming that's what it is so mm -hmm. you can tell it's been a few years since i've been there i forget the name yeah yeah yeah. So, um, yeah yeah i mean it's great for for tennis players to be able to have that place that's really dedicated to tennis mm -hmm. and commentators are, that know tennis and love tennis and are dedicated to it as opposed to seeing it pushed off on you know another network where it's competing with you know 30 other sports so couldn't agree more no i'm i'm a fan of it now living yeah, in the exactly. US, but yep. i really didn't know anything about it three years ago uh well team tennis what what which team did you what, what was your role and what, what did i you was do? the general manager for the uh, san diego team oh nice and it was fun i learned i learned a lot i learned a lot about how they operated i learned a lot about myself um because it was a job that was pretty autonomous in a lot of ways um, but working with the players was great. Working with our coach was, uh, John Lloyd and he was amazing. You know, just God, I could sit and listen to the stories he could tell all day. I mean, they're great fun organization. I love the concept of how it's played. I actually really like the fact that it's all in one place now. Mm. Like it was at the Greenbrier last year and now it was in the Wells. I really think that for the fans, that's neat. Um, for the players, it's so much easier than flying all over the country to get to matches and, you know, you fly in, you play a match that night, you leave the next morning, you got a match the next day. You know, it's just, that's tough. Um, a little tougher on the hometown feel, you know, cheering for your home team because you're not there. I was going to say, and, and, you know, the players aren't used to playing in a team format. Mm. Their fans, their friends on the sideline cheering for them and they can substitute in and stuff like that. And it's funny to watch some of the players that aren't used to that, like throughout the season, sort of all of a sudden, it, it doesn't take long for them to realize like, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. Like 
enjoy this aspect and it just adds a whole different level to, to professional tennis. Yeah, I have run many an event with Judy Murray and, you know, two things you've said on this episode that where she's come to mind. One was also when she was coaching her boys and when they were early teens, she also then indirectly yeah, you know, got Leon out. Smith to coach them. And then, uh, but she's got a, a great, uh, you know, uses almost like the soccer, you know, red card, yellow card, yep. has a gold card. And, and when you, when you hold it up, it, it's, you can replay the point, you can switch someone out, you can make oh, them play only one versus two uh, just by holding up the cards. And it's very clever. We have to always continuously think outside, you know, the square and, and mm-hmm. keep reinventing sure. our relationship with tennis. I, I did run a dating business once, double doubles for singles, uh, that was that was a little bit of fun as well, but uh, yeah, I mean it's important that we always keep it exciting and interesting. So speaking of exciting and interesting, you are week one in your new role. So tell tell our listeners yeah. what what are you doing now and, and the name of the club and I just uh, recently started just this month. Um, it's been two weeks now as the director of tennis operations at the um, Griffin Club LA, which is a gorgeous facility. It's amazing. It's the, the membership has been great, really excited about it. And, you know, I took my time when I was looking for a job, I, I interviewed with a lot of different clubs, got a few different offers and they just didn't feel right. And this one just had a different feel to it. It just felt right. There were so many things about it that felt right. And so I was super excited to, you know, to get that offer. And it's been a challenge with the, the idea of the, the name Director of Tennis Operations, it's obviously not so much on court, but I've been on court a lot lately because we had some pros leave um, before I got there, so it wasn't my fault. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I'm spending a lot more time on court than I had expected, which has been fun, but I've also got to get myself off the court and get the, the paperwork side of things done. Um, did my first little event the other day on Thanksgiving morning. We had about 50 players out for live ball. Um, from, you know, we were done by 10 a.m. It's like, get out there and burn off that turkey you haven't even eaten yet. But um, still hearing good reports on it and people that didn't go saying, oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. And, you know, those are the types of little things that you get when you know, like, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And got a, a little note the other day from one of the girls that I think was the orange ball class. And they have a, they get a little break in the middle to, you know, get some water or whatever. And she sits down on the, on the, bench and starts writing this little note and as she's leaving she gives me this note and just talking about how she loves coming to tennis with me and thanks so much for giving us an extra long break today and I can't wait to see you next next week and you know it's those little things that just really keep you going and and realize that yeah this is why we do what we do Mm. we get these little little accolades and these little notes from these adorable little kids you know um and makes me love the game even more you know so yeah, it's it's fun to be someplace new and and it's challenging and you know to learn, but I'm always up for learning more. Mm-hmm. Like can't once you once you think you know it all, you're done. Yeah, tap out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's actually, always what, more that we what can you learn. learn when somebody said to me the other day. It's what you learn when you think you know everything, is the best piece of information you'll ever learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's yeah. important to realize that you can learn from anybody. Yeah, you have to be this great mentor or even a, or even a tennis coach, it can be your player, you know? So 
I think that's been the, the through line of this episode so far, hasn't it? How can we, yeah. you know, get, the kids can teach us just, just as much. And uh-huh. when you, uh, you know, you mentioned off air that you are looking at getting some more coaches yeah. um, on board, what, what would you say if you had to pick, let's go with three again, three things that, that number. <laughs> yeah, you look for in when hiring a, a coach, what would that be? I'm going to look for the fit. You know, I'm, I'm not going to interview anyone that's not qualified. So obviously everybody that comes, is, if I'm going to interview them, they're going to be qualified to be able to do that. Um, I'm looking for someone that has gotten themselves certified, whether they're from a foreign country that got that certification or PTR or USPTA. Um, because to me, that tells, that they're, that tells me they're investing in their career. Um, and that's important that they're investing them, investing in themselves and investing in their career. I'm going to look for that personality fit. I, I know the team I have. I want to make sure it's not someone that's going to, you know, it's going to bring value to that team and not upset the team. Um, and also just commitment, willingness to learn, willingness to try new things, commitment to the job, things like that. And, um, you know, I always think that it's really important. Like I have my goals and expectations for this position. I want to know what their goals and expectations are when they're coming to a new position, because it might, they might be the, a great coach and they might be a great person, but what they're looking for doesn't match what I need. Mm. So you know, interviewers are always asking about, you know, what's your goal, but I want to make sure that goal meets what I, what my needs are as, as the person doing the interview. So um, yeah, I think that those are some things that really are key. You know, I think the other thing too is references. I think it's important to know, like if I look at a resume and I know that the people that they've referred to are, you know, Emma Doyle and Bill Riddle, they got to be good people. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think that that's, you know, I I wouldn't go strictly off of those things because obviously you're not going to ask a reference, ask somebody to be a reference that is going to say bad things about you, but who's your circle, Mm. you know, I'm with. Um, I think that tells a lot about how, about how you might operate. Mm. And are you someone that then calls calls the referee? Like, are you someone? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would definitely will. If it's somebody I know, I'll just shoot them a text or something like that. But if it's not somebody I know, I'm going to call and, yeah. and, you know, try and make contact with them and get the get a viewpoint for them. Yeah. And, and one of my big questions is always, would you hire this person again? Mm-hmm. You know, Great that question. telling question right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, finally, what's next for you? What's next for me? I just started. <laughs> What's have, next you, for me? have you got an event coming up? Have you? Um, I'm starting. I'm I'm working on a uh, New Year's event, maybe either right before New Year's or right after. That's kind of a we'll theme it as you know keep that resolution going type of a thing, and it'll probably be something fun like a live ball or a trip, you know cardio triples or something like that where we can really get a lot of people out on the court at once, play some, have some fun. Um, yeah, so that's probably the next, the next one on the agenda. Yeah. But you know, each day is just the goal is just to make that, make that program better than it was the day before, mm-hmm. and learn a little bit more about the members or the processes or whatever it might be um, to really get everything running smoothly and keeping everybody happy. Mm. And, and trust, trust your gut. That yeah, a great decision and uh, handwritten notes. Everyone, get writing those handwritten notes. <sighs> From your players and to your staff and anyone that's impacted you. You've impacted me, your passion. I can feel it. Aww. It's been so lovely to, to get to know you over the last oh, you too. 45 minutes. And I really you appreciate too. your time. And I 
wish you all the best uh, with this new role. Thanks. Appreciate it. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Emma Doyle and Simon Blair. Emma Doyle is a global speaker and performance coach helping unleash human potential. Her website is emmadoyle.com.au. And I'm Simon Blair, trainer, assessor and coach of sales and customer service skills with my own company, Five Degrees. Connect with me on LinkedIn or email me at simon.blair at five degrees. That's F-I-V-E-D-E-G-R-E-E-S dot com dot A-U. 